everybody, welcome to the Vocal Advancement Podcast. I am Tom, one of your hosts today on this webinar, and I'm joined by the lovely Heather. Witam. Witam to you too. <laughs> That's Polish for anyone <laughs> wondering what on earth I just said. <laughs> Apparently, anybody who's Polish we might hope. be uh, going, <laughs> no, not really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, who have we got on this episode, Tom? Well, today's episode, we are talking to Chris Johnson, who was doing a webinar for us about using movement as a tool to assess the voice. That's right. Chris Harks from the UK as well, so he's another fellow UKer. And he is a, a, a very successful podcaster. He is indeed, yes. We've got a lot to learn from Chris and his podcasting. He has one of did, the most he? popular, um, you know, kind of podcasts on the voice and chatting to people um, yeah. out there. Although I don't think he's done it for a long time, has he? I think they're on a break, yeah, but they do have a couple of hundred episodes under their belt, I believe. So, you know... A little bit in. of way to go there. <laughs> say, we've got a few more, a few more years to catch up with that. A few more episodes sure. to catch up with that, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was an interesting chat. So I think we'll just let's just get straight to Chris and let's talk to Chris. Let's do it. Let's go talk to Chris. So, welcome, Chris. It's lovely to have you here. You recently did um, a webinar for us, which was fantastic. We've had some great feedback on that, by the way. It was great. Um, And I know there'll be other teachers who are watching back the recording and people who can kind of see the class afterwards. So we'll continue to get feedback, I'm sure. Great. Uh, So today is just a bit of a a bit of a chit-chat. We like a bit of a chit-chat. Chinwag. I was just going to say, Tom and I were talking about using the word chinwag, and then we thought, no one outside of the UK will have a clue what we're talking about if we say we want to have a chinwag to someone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I guess the first thing we wanted to kind of ask you about was um, what led you into doing what you have currently been doing and what you were talking to us about in terms of using movement as a diagnosis tool for singing? Mm. Um, you know, did you just happen to lift your arms up in the shower one day and go, ooh, <laughs> what was it? That- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was it that kind of stirred that that intrigue and, you know, passion for that side of things? Yeah, that's a that's a good question because, it could, you know, some, for some people in history, I'm sure um, those kind of epiphanies have come at those intensely mundane moments. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not necessarily this time. I mean, to be fair, um, I, I reckon I could trace back my like enjoyment of sort of biology, if you like, back to when I was at school because I was pretty much crap at everything else apart from biology and um and actually funny enough french which is maybe maybe part of that whole like you know the um auditory aspect i was good at languages and bodies you know what i mean um so i I think it made sense that eventually i i am where i am uh which is quite funny but so i think that has always been part of like my my sort of uh sort of um, the, the the innate interest that i seem to have anyway and then i went on um uh into my sort of late 20s i did a lot of physical work as in like i i did a lot of gym work and sport and got interested in physiology in that way and that started to open up the sort of the weird and wonderful connections in the body 
certainly if you think about like how people stretch out muscles, they used to see it as like the the muscles are like in knots or something like this, and you have to stretch them out and all the fibers become ordered. But then lots of research was coming out and saying, well, that's not quite how it works. It's more of a, it, the brain really decides if it wants to let that muscle relax or not. So we have to talk to the body in a, in a far deeper language. And I learned quite a bit of that about sort of working with my own flexibility and injury within the gym um, as well. So that kind of, that really sparked it off. And that got me into something called um, Feldenkrais and massage. <laughs> So Feldenkrais, for anybody who doesn't know, is a sort of a somatic education thing, somatic being of the body. And so with that, that kind of, um, although it was developed over a long time by Moshe Feldenkrais, he was like really weirdly on the money in terms of how he was like, well, if you, if you kind of put your mind in a certain place and do this mindful practice of moving body parts in any weird combination possible, you'll learn something about how your body is made, stacked, moves, um, the pains and the releases in it. And that all that kind of movement sends uh, updates, if you like, to the mainframe. Um, and those updates, uh, particularly in the case of, let's say, your body map or your body image, if you like, and how it's mapped in your body, um, which feeds into things like proprioception and your your awareness of where your tongue might be and how your jaw sits and where your head is on your shoulders. All of those things become then intensely more valuable as a singer. Um, and then I found that with, with that sort of practice, singers are able to actually make really amazing changes once the awareness has been um, sparked, which is different to saying, did you know your head is forward? Or are you aware you're clenching your jaw? Like they're all like, don't get me wrong, like they're, they're words I've used in the past and, and they're, they're they have the, the, the greatest intention behind them. But as you get deeper into the body, you start to realize um, that's not the language that the body understands. Move, move the jaw in different ways and the person will probably realize it's tight and you never had to say anything. So we, it yeah. went in that direction basically. Um, and that's kind of, I think that's really where the whole journey of that sort of how it came about. And, and I spent sort of last maybe eight years um, working on the movement side from that sort of spark. So I, I attended a Feldenkrais um, workshop once. <laughs> and maybe you can help me with this because it almost Mark, <laughs> Mark, Mark, the things I was asked to do, I found, were pretty much impossible for a woman as well endowed as myself. Certain aspects of my body were getting in the way of my ability to do some of the movements. <laughs> someone to that would you put that into a voice lesson or is that something you would keep completely separate no i do yeah i do put it into the voice lesson um was, was yours like a group mixed class it was and it was online so i was rolling around on the floor of my studio while i was watching them do it online which isn't ideal and they did say they <laughs> prefer to do it in person if possible but 
yeah, I was just struggling. I'm like, okay, this is, <laughs> this is not for me. Yeah. yeah, you know, like I, I don't want to speak on behalf of like the Feldenkrais Guild or anything like that because I'm not qualified in Feldenkrais. I've just done loads and loads of like work within it, and um, some great educators. Um, one of them is Robert Susuma, um, Elizabeth Blades. They're all really great people, um, and I think the way it's delivered in the traditional sense, I think a lot of like stingers that i think i would deal with and myself maybe 10 years ago myself would have gone what a load of tosh <laughs> so woo woo because i think really like not everybody is um is is really in a place to take on the traditional delivery of feldenkrais however i think i think that's not to do with the information or the principles um necessarily but it's just the delivery so what i found what I was quite i guess thankful for is experiencing it many many times but then coming in actually a few years later with a bit more of an open mind about what this might do you know the the cynic in me does want to kind of go oh i'm not sure about this but you have that in you have that constant struggle with sort of i guess cynicism and maybe the better version is skepticism um of that that kind of going on but then seeing it out and going actually there's something really cool here then you follow the rabbit hole. And then when you bring that into lessons, um, much like with everything that I do, uh, I, I tend to look at the usual suspects quite quickly. And I do find that, although it would maybe might make Moshe Feldenkrais sort of turn in his grave about it, but, um, but I do very sh shortened versions of uh, movement protocols that are silent, that do focus on places where I feel like that's going to move the needle for the singer the most but i always prep it with kind of like this is really strange um <laughs> but go with go with it and i can uh, later on up past the experience after the experience and once we've sung and noticed what's different about that i can i'll, I'll then tell you if you like why we did that if that's something that really allows you to do that again at home rather than just think it was weird stuff so i do i do bring in the principles very frequently so what are you looking for in someone that makes you think okay this particular exercise versus this one is going to be better for them or do you just want to get them to try everything and then get them to feel what works best for them uh that's a good question yeah i think when it comes to somebody who comes with a i have a problem here's my problem then like i um in the workshop i i um did for you and you kindly invited me um i showed you three assessments in that one uh and they would lead me towards potentially a group of traditional exercises like we would expect in a voice lesson but they have been chosen based on the results of those assessments and others but i might mix that up depending on the person and the time scales okay so if there's more time I think the the sort of the somatic education route can be quite nice as like a a slow paced but actually has a longer term it sticks to you better in the long term when it's that way I find anyway so we can we can take a mixture of what would be traditional motor learning exercises and then what would be somatic education exercises strange movements um and take them again all based on the assessment right uh but if it's a learner with somebody who's got bags of time no deadlines i think the broader the experiences the better so i think we we might even do something that is completely unrelated 
go polar end, almost uh, approach a lesson in terms of I'd prefer more chaos than order in this lesson. You know, uh, otherwise we tend to follow a path that might not span out into the extremes enough. So I, I do like to kind of leave, um, t uh, you know, 40% of the lesson for chaos play. <laughs> Exploration. Right. Yeah, do do the thing you think it isn't, do the thing you think it is, you know, and then go away with that. And, and so, I, I yeah, I think I choose it differently based on those two things. And what kind of, when you started doing this with your, your students, what kind of feedback were they giving you as they started to realise how this worked in their bodies and what it did for their voices? Yeah, the, the, initially I didn't have the answers. Um, I just had the assessments. And to be fair, I don't, don't, wouldn't say necessarily that you could have all the answers now anyway, but, um, but in the beginning, I, I compiled maybe four, four or five movements at the moment. I have like 10 assessments, but in the, in the beginning I had those and arms up was very, very right there at the start. Um, so with that, I'd have arms up and the feedback usually with that, with lots and lots of people is, whoa, that's really, it's really odd. Why? Why? And I'd have to spend a lot of time saying, I don't know. Don't know why. <laughs> I'll get back to you. Okay, no problem. No problem saying I'll get back to you. Um, so that that I think once you've got like a rocket up your bum, when that happens, you, then you start going for the next two weeks until you see them next. You're going through textbooks. You're like looking at physiology all around and how that might interact with breath, posture, and linking that to the arms up. So I gradually started to get some answers. Um, uh, or at least some directions in which to take the training. Um, so the feedback for that it was 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 positive. It led me to try and figure out the the, um, the issue. But the other side of feedback is is the negative part, which is oh that really um, that really stuffed me on the high note. You know I can't do what I need to do. And that feedback initially, if I was a training teacher, I'd be scared of that feedback. I would be worried. I'd be like, oh, I've just made someone worse. The cardinal sin of vocal coaching. <laughs> They've come to me and I've made them worse, right? However, that would only be true if I was to continue to make them worse. <laughs> right, right. But with everything that we do as a vocal coach, <clears throat> the, ish, the, the, the negative outcomes, they present us with incredible amounts of information. So if someone places their arms up and their voice gets a lot worse, it can tell you a great deal about how much air their voice is demanding to sing that phrase, right? Well, usually it's demanding a lot, a lot of either air volume or air pressure um, because the chest is, is used um, in a lot of people to generate that pressure. So if that's the case, then we'd have to make a judgment to go, would I expect that amount of pressure or flow to be required under F4 when they expect to be in a clear chest voice? You know, and often the answer to that question is no. I wouldn't expect it to take a lot of effort to do that. And that's when you start to go, I made them worse. That tells me this about air and, and resistance. Do I think that from what I know about voice and registers and adduction, do I think that, that that aligns with their goals and I'd make make a judgment to say, well, maybe not, or maybe it does. So that negative outcome is either I, sh I shall try and help them with that because that will get them to the goal. Or I might determine that, yes, they sing with a lot of breathiness and the line is really long. 
So that is a high demand on air. I'm not going to change that, right? And it all kind of stems from the arms up tells me um, wh why that's why that's happening. So yeah, the feedback can be very varied, but um, if you if you can clear the mind enough to take that feedback and not not look at it as positive or negative, but look at it as branches branches of directions. Yeah, I mean, immediately I'm thinking about. Um, a student I was teaching, bless her, she was on her way up to the Edinburgh Festival the other day and she had a lesson in the service station, like you do. Just pulled over, had a lesson on, <laughs> on route up to Edinburgh. But she wanted to go through, she's in an a cappella group, so she wanted to go through some of the songs that were difficult that had choreography in them. So immediately now I'm thinking about, oh, now I wonder whether some of her choreography had her arms in positions which would have been potentially unhelpful for her. Uh, yeah. um, and I'm just thinking this is something that could be particularly useful information just for people to have in their own right. If they are likely to be moving around on stage as they sing, is it worth knowing that, OK, when I put my hands up, suddenly that makes life a lot harder for me. I need to be a diva about it and say, not on the high note. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you've got some control over the choreography. Um, for example, yeah, I think that's that for me, that's why I found it so interesting and why I've stayed with it for so long is what you've said is when you take that simple principle and you put it on stage in a real world application and you see why people struggle, um, that's because you know the interrelationship between breath resistance and then what might be resonance as well. Um, which kind of says, well, would a singer who uses more breathiness in their tone be um jumping around like beyonce and there's a reason why you don't really see that mm -hmm. it's not easy because there's there's just way too much breath for the fitness aspect of it i.e moving around mm -hmm. having your arms in lots of positions um which will which will really starve you of breath when it comes to um being breathy one of the things i do is shake as well which puts you into a state of physical kind of um stability it kind of activates the core and it, and it makes your body move a lot less within the breathing uh, cycle. So when you think about dancers, dancers throwing their center of balance off a lot of the time, their core has to remain quite active the whole time, mm. which doesn't afford a lot of time huge movements of breath uh, because the this breathing system has to do its other job, which is postural support right which means that when someone is like really dancing a lot you tend to find that oh they're going to need a bit of a cleaner tone to be able to do that and not feel absolutely knackered at the end of a gig because they've they've been breathing for you know twice over um right. or, or because they've been compensating at the throat to for the for their voice to actually deal with the lower volume of air that they actually have available to them from all this movement so yeah i i love what you've identified there and how that would yeah you, what you've seen is two branches change the choreography i.e the voice is more important mm -hmm. of Check. course oh, always well, <laughs> it depends sorry about it but <laughs> yeah but some people might go well you know the performance aspect is the important part and the voice is a texture um <laughs> Something and that's like um, uh, maybe a show where it's actually a dance show where there's an occasional vocal in it, for example. Right. Um, that might be like heavily affected and back in the mix, and it's just there for kind of like an eerie texture. Maybe it's just a vowel or something. Ooh, that kind of thing. So then you would have to go. Well, the movement is more important. I'll have to increase adduction then, just a little bit. 
so that the demand of air is lower and they can handle the movement without feeling puffed out or, or robbed of air. So yeah, that's that's the perf one of the perfect examples of two choices. That's great. Okay, I'm going to change the subject now because we are dying to ask you. Oh yes, yes, <laughs> go for it. Ask. So when I was when I was looking up, uh, you know, information about you to introduce you for your webinar, I stumbled across. <laughs> This little nugget that said you had sung for Prince Charles at one point. And when I mentioned it, there was a big grin on your face and we never got to find out exactly what happened. So I want to know and I want to hear all about what happened when you sung for His Royal Highness. <laughs> yeah, great. Great. Yes, I remember this. I remember this. And it is funny because um, I, I put this on, on a Facebook post a little while ago because the memory... I've got the photo of me and me and Charles shaking hands in the armory of the St. James's Palace, um, which was like, a, it's just a great photo. It's just one of those ones where I'm like, look at daddy. You know, I say that in years, look at daddy. Look what I did. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, so we, we used to do these gigs for the, um, for the military and they were actually like, a lot of them were very old vets from like World War Two, um, who mm. would um, have suffered, you know, um, like loss of limbs or, or other fairly life-changing um, things, including things like PTSD and um, depression and things like that. So that was a real cool gig because we used to do these gigs in a club in London for them, and they would love all of the old Motown. We'd do a bunch of jazz as well. They would just love it because it's kind of their era. Um, and then uh, we used to get off the back of that, we used to get invited to the to the Buckingham Palace Garden Party every year. So I've been to the Buckingham Palace Garden Party four times. Get you. Wow. Nice. I took my dad <laughs> once, because I knew my, my dad was in the army, so I took him once. So I knew he would be, like, over Love the it. moon. So there was a lot of celebrities, like, if nobody would really know this so along the, around the world, but, you know, my dad was like, there's Tony Blackburn. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> a big deal, guys. It's a big deal. <laughs> if you watch Noel's house party in the night, this is a big deal. Was Mr. Blobby there? Yeah. <laughs> um, Dick and Dom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. The big ones. All the gay <clears throat> really really big ones um so we got we got we've got a lot of hilarious pictures with people like that right on the wall it's funny but then um because of that we used to get invited to places but in the end what happened was um uh the, the it was prince charles's birthday but it coincided with the 90th anniversary of like the charity that we used to work with for the for the vets and so there was this big gig at St. James's Palace, which had a, a bunch of celebrities gigging at it, including us. And we were kind of thinking, oh, why are we here? <laughs> what, what are we doing here? This is kind of weird because it's pretty high end. Um, and we did, we did our set. But just before we went to, on to do our set, like the guy looked, he's looking at his clipboard and he goes, OK. So he's like, uh, next was like this. Do you know, remember Jodie Prenger from um, uh, she did... Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's show, like she was. Her name rings a bell. Yeah, uh, musical theatre, and she's like, okay, yes. he, and he looked at us, and he was like, okay, and the guys from G Four. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Steve, it took me a while. I was like, G Four, there's two of us for a start, and G Four are a um, like a they were well, a pop, yeah, pop, a bit like Il Devo, but from the UK. 
And he looked at us. He was like, "Okay, two guys from G four, Jody Pranger." And we and we just, I'm just saying, <laughs> did he say G four? And then he, he introduced us as that on the stage. <laughs> we thinking <laughs> bloody sitting on the dock of the bay. You know, not like sitting on the dock. It was. It was proper. Um, so we, we kind of did this, just realised that, that, you know, the, the compare and, and the people in charge absolutely think we're two members of G4. Um, and then, then I'm kind of thinking, oh, that's why we're here. <laughs> they think we're people we aren't. There we go. And then a few, a few, of, the, a few of the old people in the, in the audience are like, that's not G4. Not G4. <laughs> <laughs> Three songs in, thinking they don't even want us here. Uh, it's funny. Oh, no. <laughs> no. But it's, I'm sure uh, they enjoyed it just as much as they would have enjoyed uh, G4. We, uh, you know, it wasn't on the mic going, I know this is what you, wasn't what you wanted, but I don't know you like it or not. Yes, yeah, too late now. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Maestro, let's get the music going. Come on. Uh, so yeah but that was, that was brilliant. it was it was funny but I'll, I'll always remember that and that picture it doesn't matter it doesn't matter i don't even have to tell anyone that as long as i got the picture and said yes daddy totally. was important then uh, it's gonna be <laughs> <I love that. laughs> oh my so is, uh, is that the weirdest gig you've ever done or can you chop that with any others <laughs> oh no i mean it wasn't to be fair it's a great gig yeah, uh, I think it's one of the weirdest, uh, aw most awkward moments um, at a gig. Apart <laughs> no, to be fair, the weirdest moment at a gig was when, you, you know, wedding, some guy comes up, give me the mic. <laughs> you give him the mic because um, uh, my other guy, the rock singer in the band is singing, um, oh, what's the song? Don't want to miss the thing. Okay, Aerosmith. So the guy snatched off him. And he shout, don't wake up my eyes, like that. We, we've all had that. And I just, you know, I don't get annoyed anymore. I just stand at the back or I go to the buffet. <laughs> the desk, it's all right. There's a compressor. No one's ears will pop off. Um, I'll go and get some beige. Uh, and then I'll come back. And what he did in the end, as uh, he did a lot of those riffs at the end, you know, the ad libs that are really high and they hurt anyone. Um, he, he attempted those and then he just handed the mic turned around and tried to do a backflip off the stage. Oh, my word! <laughs> and landed on his head. Oh, wow. So oh, it's borderline, like, do we, do we need an ambulance? Like, <laughs> absolutely crazy. But then they were like, don't worry, he does this all the time. And he just, they just pull him off. Um, so and there's yeah. us constantly telling our students not to be worried about singing on stage because no one's going to die if you get up there. <laughs> and, you know... Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, you know when you're just all like you're just so you're like this. Four four guys on stage were supposed to be doing harmonies, we're just like like that. And then the back the, you know the backing track of Aerosmith is just playing with nothing on it. Um on the encore. And you're just like okay, and then it just goes clang, resolve. <laughs> we go, okay, thank you, thanks everybody. <laughs> Move on and just run out the back. Run, run, run. Got, got, we've got to leave. This is oh, this. brilliant. But yeah, loads of stuff like that. So, loads. how much gigging are you doing these days? Do you gig much anymore, or is it all teaching? What's the balance like for you? Well, well, well to be fair, because um, uh, the guy that I did the naked vocalist with, Steve, we were in the band together. Yeah. 
with two other guys. Now, Steve has moved to America with his fiance, so he's not around. And then one of the other guys, I think he, um, I think he just got too old and tired for it. <laughs> essentially because he's like to the best of us. i hate this now <laughs> uh, there. so there's me and me and the other guy kev who just who kind of like it uh and then um so we we would tend to get a depth singer in to make it three okay you know g3 <laughs> um <laughs> and then uh, and then we go in and then basically we get emails you know emails legacy emails oh you did our you did our corporate do 10 years ago are you still doing stuff and then we get those dribble in and then because because kev is like well i'm only going to do it if it's really worthwhile so he sends an outrageous price back and 99 times out of 100 they say no twice a year though <laughs> oh, <we need. laughs> yeah but they say, okay, send us a contract. And Kev's like, I just, he just sends me a message, can't believe it. <laughs> uh, and it's obviously one of them is always at Christmas, isn't it? One of them, you know, it's like corporate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Another one, I've got one uh, next month, the end of next month. So okay. I, twice a year, essentially. Twice a year. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like a, a nice amount to me. <laughs> yeah, keep your toes in. Yeah. Occasionally I get the offer to do like a single song um appearance like it maybe a couple of times a year just kind of come and do one song as part of a variety show um and i nice. try because then you can pick a um you know in the band it'd be like it's singing for drunk people <laughs> yeah that's it's, what you which is fun it's, it's polished karaoke yeah absolutely it's no <laughs> big deal and and they you know they, they just they're happy with those crowd pleasers but when you get the offer to do something that is a bit more like plush and whatever um I'd spend quite a lot of time picking a song that still is going to be accepted and well known, but has like a feels a bit more connoisseur. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, or like something by Donny Hathaway, you know, something like that. So I'm like, okay, really cool. So uh, just a few times a year, I'll, I'll put a bit of a bit of effort into um, into doing something that I really, really like. Uh, and so that they're, they're the they're the other ones that I tend to do. That's great. I think it's nice to kind of keep it in mind that, you know, most of us got into this teaching malarkey because we enjoyed singing in the first place. Yeah. It's easy to lose sight of that and, and you oh, know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And get buried by the workload and just mm -hmm. don't and take anything on. It's a shame. So I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, and I'm st I still feel like I'm progressing as a singer. Uh, yeah. even, also, I'd still want to get on stage and kind of, uh, you know, put those uh, skills in the environment they were meant for, which means I've really learned them. If I can do mm. my pressure, uh, I can't really create myself much fo uh, sort of false pressure. I'm sort of past the point where I can say to my extended family, can you all sit in the front room while I sing for you? <laughs> no, I you're still do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, need, I need a gig for that one. I was going to say, my children have inherited that aspect yeah. from me so now i have to sit and watch them perform to me constantly uh, <laughs> <laughs> move the coffee table that's it sit down we're having a show turn the lights up okay uh, <laughs> and then, meanwhile there's my mum in the background laughing her head off because what goes around comes around oh right? yeah <laughs> your turn, <laughs> your turn now. Take yeah. that. don't even <laughs> <laughs> oh, i love it no, I think the main thing was the Prince of Wales story. That was <laughs> we were dying to know about that. That's the phone. 
<laughs> you got it. <laughs> oh, it's been fabulous. Yeah, it's been great chatting. Thank you. Having yeah. a laugh. I'm to have a chat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, on a Monday morning. Uh, and Google and a laugh. The podcast that I've done. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I know. Well, actually, that is one thing. What is your advice for us newbies in the world of podcasting? I guess. Seeing as you are an old pro at this, you know, what what would your advice be to us or anyone else who is starting up a podcast? Oh, well, well, um uh be kind. Yeah, you you, you do have to be kind. Do you know what Steve and I just felt like we were just farting around for 55 60 episodes to be honest with you. And honest, you know, when it came to that because we we're quite good friends anyway, so I think the sort of the subliminal messages, the you know, if my eye twitches, he'll know what that means. Those kind of, <laughs> those kind of things. It, it does make it does make the the process of conversation like that bit more streamlined and whatever. But I think really what 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 you want to do is try not to be too formal with it, um, and then what you you'll just attract the right bunch because I think you know people are perceptive, aren't they? They know when you're trying to be something you're not, or trying to speak to a demographic that maybe just don't relate to you as much as another demographic or, you know, or, you know, person uh, interest type or anything like that. So as long as we kept it a bit light, um, added the fun in there. And what we learned over time actually is in the first uh, 10 or 15 episodes, uh, the feedback would be uh, you don't spend enough time on the content. Right. And then the feedback after that was, Oh, there's a couple of episodes where, you know, we felt like you guys were in a bad mood or something because we were like, oh, don't <laughs> speak much. Um, and then we found that thing of like, actually, we got, we started to get guests on. And then, then there used to be that kind of nice conversational bit, a, li- a little bit of humorousness in there. And that is always what keeps people listening to it is the mm-hmm. relatability of it. So I think really it took us about 25, 30 episodes to really find yeah, yeah. so yeah. you've got to give yourself a lot of time and i've i've always toyed with the fact i look back at the first 10 or 15 episodes and think oh do i wipe them off the face of the earth <gasps> no oh no. it's a journey and yeah. um and oh, i've learned so much so much from doing 60 of those and well and, and lots of stuff outside of that so i think if anybody wants to podcast um, and start to generate an audience, um, it does set you up for doing presentations much later down the line really, really well if you can listen back to yourself and learn and take feedback. Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what. And who was your favourite guest then, just while you mentioned guests? Oh, well, it was, a, for me, the most memorable one was Ingo Tietze, just because we'd learned from him quite a bit. And then he, he you know, we just kind of said, do you want to go on a podcast? And he just goes, yeah. And it was like, oh, oh, but um, Scott Allen was also really funny. Um, do you know Scott Allen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott Allen was great because we we actually did a songwriting exercise with him. So you know that songwriting thing where you have a heading and you write a line, you fold it over, you oh, yeah. pass it to the next person. And we did that with Scott Allen about, um, wow. I think it was something about chocolate cake. Um, and we wrote a song and tried to sing it on the podcast. Um, oh, that's brilliant. Really I'm fun. Gonna, I'm gonna go. I have to dig that episode out and have a listen. <laughs> it's episode fifteen, I think. Um, I can't remember what one, but it, yeah, that just because he was so up for it, and we did it. I think, I think it was on. Was it in person? Yeah, I think it was in person at Vocalize You. Um, but yeah, that for me, that was like one of the funnest ones. Really, getting someone involved in a, in an activity. And um, so, yeah, I was just wondering, have you got more plans to do more naked vocalist episodes? 
Um, I honestly don't know. I actually do t- talk to Steve. So we we were talking the other day about like what what do we do with this? Um, so we we certainly aren't closing the door on it because it's about you know sort of geographical locations might change, and we've both got a lot of projects on. But in terms of podcasting in general, I'm I've just finished up creating um, a uh, online course. Um, which has just come to an end, which is going to free me up some time to uh, create more content. And my favorite uh, medium to do that is audio podcast. So um, I think really uh, with the naked vocalist, we'll leave the door open, but I'll do some stuff for coaches. I've got some things and other collaborations bubbling up right now uh, to do things for a wider audience, like, you know, just singers and coaches together. Um, so yeah, I think really now, now I've kind of created the time, there'll be more podcast content to come. So where people are looking for you, then where can we find you so we can find this content? Um, my teaching website, which is where I've got some stuff is at chrisjohnsonvocalcoach.com. Um, I also, my, my vocal coach teacher training, which is where I'll release the podcast that's about, I'm about to do maybe a, 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 a 10 episode series uh, straight out, put them all up at once. That will be at teachvoice.com. Awesome. And we'll put links to those in the show notes and to the Naked Vocalist as well. Thank you. Nice. So it's been lovely chatting this morning. Hopefully you can hear me and it's not just a big <laughs> buzzing noise. <laughs> but it's okay. Hopefully the video editor's not magic filter for this. If not, we'll make him re-record it later and lip-sync to it. That would be <laughs> fun. RuPaul Drag Race. Yeah. <laughs> I need to get my rouge out. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for joining us today, Chris. It's been wonderful as ever to speak to you and hear some wonderful stories and some great advice. I'm sure everybody's going to really enjoy listening to everything you've had to say. And I look forward to seeing, you know, what you're releasing and listening into more podcasts. And I'm definitely going to go and search out that Scott Allen episode. Okay. Yeah, yeah. try that in the future. Yeah. <laughs> I recommend it. Yeah, great. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. So that was Chris, and as you can see, Chris is a nice book, and we had a good giggle and a good laugh, and he had some very nice words of wisdom for us in our podcasting endeavours as we aim for our 100 episodes. <laughs> One day, we'll get there. <laughs> Eventually. It was. I like Chris. He's got a good sense of humour. He's, you know, he's one of us. One of us Brits. <laughs> yeah. And he's been around for a while in the voice world, you know. I remember being in teacher training with Chris. Oh, many... 14, 15 years ago in London. We go back a long way. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice that he's still about and he's still in the world of voice and, you know, he's doing well for himself and he's got all these things that he's, you know, offering and working with teachers and singers for. So, yeah, it's really, it's it was great to catch up with him. It having was. not seen him for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, we appreciate his words of wisdom when it comes to podcasts <laughs> because, you know, we're we're still figuring our way through the world of podcasting, but we are getting I know, we're better. getting there. We're getting there. Technology isn't, yeah. isn't getting so troubling for us anymore, is it? We're, yeah, it's working. So, that you know, that's like one tech. <laughs> okay. And we've got our... We've, We've got our, uh, you know, concise subscribe to us from Randy Rainbow that we talked about last episode. So, you know, we're getting better at that too. That's it. That's it. And um, we'll be, pause. And for those, while we're on that 
topic. For those people who who are interested in the class that um, Chris taught, they can go back and watch it, can't they, Tom? They can indeed, yes. So they can go to our website, vocaladvancement.com forward slash events, and they'll be able to find that webinar that they can purchase and watch back and take part in some of the movements and things that we were doing during it to see how it affects your voice, yeah. Some of us had our cameras on for that and some of us turned them off, didn't they, Tom? (laughs) I have no comment on that. (laughs) I like to look foolish in private, that's all. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is the advantage of watching the class back later i know a lot of our iba teachers are doing that watching the class back later that's uh, the advantage yeah. is that you can make a fool of yourself in the privacy of your own home instead of in front of everybody <laughs> and you know when you're doing one of these movement webinars because you know recently we had andrew back and he did a tour of the vegas nerve for us and uh, somebody joined the webinar halfway through after being at an appointment and forgot to turn himself on mute so when mom was stretching one's neck and it was rather painful one exclaimed out loud <laughs> during the class oh tom that was hilarious we <laughs> <laughs> were like does he know <laughs> i had no idea i just like stretching i'm like oh my god that's so sore and everybody's like are you okay i'm like oh crap <laughs> Quick mute. <laughs> mute. Thankfully, my camera was off, so they did not see the face that went with that. <laughs> but, oh, oh, I was not expecting it to be quite as um, you know. Releasing. It was a very deep stretch. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Felt uh, good afterwards. Though I tell you, like about an hour later, I was like, "Oh, that feels great," but at the time, oh no, mm-hmm. oh, needed it. <laughs> Actually, I have to say, I felt the same because I was suffering with a terrible cold last week when we did that. Um, and I had to go and teach my choir after that class. And it, it helped, definitely helped. A little bit of movement. Oh, yeah, it was... It's amazing how it can free things up and and make things a little easier to use your voice. Mm. Yeah, and I think as well just drawing awareness because I don't think we realise how much we kind of hunch, roll shoulders and everything as we're sitting just in our day-to-day life. Even sitting at the piano teaching, you can end up kind of hunched shoulders or shoulders rolling forward that puts so much tension into your shoulders, neck and larynx. Oh, and teaching online is terrible for that because I set my piano Mm. up in front of my, and then I find myself leaning forward on my piano to, you know, talk to people. So if I have a whole day of just online lessons, I, I feel it in my neck at the end of the day. Yeah, I end up leaning too far forward to mm-hmm. type messages like over the piano and you feel your shoulders like up like this. So That's yeah, it. it's not good. No, I know. But then Yoga having it on the side teaching. is worse because then you're looking over your shoulder mm. the whole time while you're teaching. So yeah. Oh, the worst. Yeah, I do. Oh, we still... I know. Such hard <laughs> life having a business. <laughs> hard work we do, teaching, singing. <laughs> Just thinking about all those people who are like labourers and things, and here's me moaning about having to lean over my piano to get the hardship of it all. (laughs) Oh, woe is me! I know it's a hard life. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll cope. (laughs) Right, who's on next episode, Tom? Well, our next episode is the lovely Elizabeth Ann Benson. Excuse uh, me, Dr. Elizabeth Ann Benson, who is right. at, she's talking about her book, which was The Trends in Teaching CCM Singing, which is a book that after the webinar, I immediately went out and bought and have been working my way through it. And it's a fascinating book. 
like yeah. really, really interesting reads. And we had some really interesting chats with her. Again, one of those chats that just went on far too long, and we're going to have to cut some it's of a... it out to make the episode. Or me and you are going to have to lesson. stop talking too much. At the start, we just cut us out and go straight to the interview. Uh, so, yeah, make sure you tune in for that episode. So, uh, Tom, what what's the subscribe and whatnot spiel? Yes. So what you want to do is go to your favorite place where you consume podcasts and search for the Vocal Advancement Podcast. Make sure you follow and like and rate us so that we can work our way through the charts as we continue yeah, our growth. Yeah, that's the point. Rate us on iTunes, people. Yeah. Is it iTunes these and days? Whatever it is. No. Apple Podcasts. Right? Apple Music. I'm so No, actually, old. Apple Podcasts. Yeah, Apple you're podcasts. right. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I forgot. It changes so often. It's hard to keep up with Rate Apple. us, but only if you're going to rate us highly. Don't rate us if you think we're crap. Five stars. <laughs> Good comment on your favorite biscuit. We'll be the only podcast in like Apple Podcasts that has all these reviews that are like, I like chocolate digesters, <laughs> I like tin cans, I like cookie pookies. <laughs> and Apple's like, what? What are they on about? What are they doing? <laughs> right, so that's it. Get on there. Yeah. Get rating us. Highly, obviously. And, uh, and uh, we'll see you next episode. Indeed. So take care of yourself and we'll speak to you soon.